Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So half the people watching this are already going, oh, he's so biased. And the other half are sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because quite frankly, it is ridiculous. The truth of the matter is that we should support all wrestling and take every segment of its own merit, although I do get it. There have been some things in AEW that a very vocal portion of the fan base felt missed the mark. So let's open this up and start the debate. For I am Simon from What Culture. Remember to drive on the right side of the road when you go abroad and subscribe. And this is 10 AEW disappointments we really didn't see coming. Number 10, the Codyverse. So we start controversially as I don't necessarily agree with this one. I have been very loud about the fact that I think Cody Rhodes is one of the most fascinating characters in all of wrestling. But since he has decided to move on from AEW, the conversation has been about his overall run in general. As such, there have been questions about some of his promos, the decision to never go after the world title, not turning heel even though maybe, maybe that would have been for the best. The debate is there, although that kind of does tie into the reason he's so interesting to watch. Cody's basically walking in his own path. The Anthony Agogo angle may have been slightly misshaped too, something Mr. Rhodes himself has admitted in interviews, but at least it did get Agogo out in the wild. It does leave us scratching our heads about what the American Nightmare is going to do next, but just take a second to remember that his last match in All Elite Wrestling was a classic against Sammy Guevara. There's always ups and downs. Number 9, Battle of the Belts. It is easy to forget that really AEW is still a new promotion. Their first episode of Dynamite wasn't until October 2019, so when they shifted their Wednesday night show to TBS leaving TNT as the space for a few specials throughout the year, it sounded pretty good, especially when one such event was quickly dubbed Battle of the Belts. Instantly fans thought we'd get a night of title defenses for obvious reasons, and even the poster featured all the champions, but it didn't really pan out that way. Instead, we got an enjoyable enough show, but one that didn't feature much of the gold. Britt Baker defended her woman's title, but after Kobe Rhodes had to pull out due to medical reason, it lacked the punch a whole program dedicated to challenges for the belt should have done. It also didn't help it was only one hour and hopefully Time Warner realizes in the future we're gonna need more bang for our young bucks. Sorry, I shouldn't have said it. It just came out. Number eight, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. The real issue people seem to have with this is twofold. One, they don't think it helped Orange Cassidy when all was said and done. And two, their final contest was a Mimosa Mayhem match. Now, given this was happening in the middle of a pandemic, I appreciated the creativity. And also, in what world did we ever think we were going to see multiple-time WWE champion Chris Jericho versus a dude whose gimmick is he can't really be bothered? I do understand, though, because many people who were happy to buy into what AEW was selling wanted a constant 180 from WWE and you'd be hard pushed to argue this wasn't a good old dose of sports entertainment. And it did finish with the bad guy getting thrown into a vat of liquid so at least the finish was correct. And look, I don't think we're going to get many more of these. Much like the cinematic match, it was very of its time. 
the seven, the pinnacle. I liked the pinnacle. Putting MJF, Wardlow, FDR, Sean Spears, and Tully Blanchard together seemed like it would help all involved, and for a time it did. They had that crazy blood and guts match with the inner circle, and once again filled a void when the world had been grounded to a halt. The follow-up ever since has been a bit strange, though. While stables don't always need to be joined at the hip constantly, this felt more like a relationship as and when we need to fill in some story holes, as opposed to a group that was heading for the lofty highs of a four horsemen or an NWO. They also never really backed up their threats and were the constant whipping boys which isn't great for coming across like a force of power. Before long they rarely even hung out with each other because they kind of went their separate ways. FTR and MJF often still go out of their way to be friends but even then it does feel like AEW realized this had served its purpose and it was best to move on without mentioning it all that much. Number 6 The Length of the Pay-Per-View So this one will blow up as is the way but if there is one criticism that could be aimed at AEW's awesome pay-per-views it's that they all go very very long. Even during the aforementioned global shutdown most would fly past the three hour mark and in short this doesn't need to be the rule. That's right I said it. It's not exclusive to them either as WWE had to split Wrestlemania over two nights because they can't rein themselves in and New Japan seems to pride itself on how many hours they can cram into a big show. And sure sometimes the matches and storylines mean you do have to do this but it shouldn't be a hard and fast rule. I mean it's commendable that all of the above want to give their viewer value for money but sometimes that comes from a shorter but well thought out show instead of deciding content is king. And I get that this sounds spoiled as well, stop giving me more great wrestling, but leaving the audience wanting more can be a skill in itself and it's one that over the long term AEW needs to take advantage of. But believe you me, burnout in this crazy sport is a very real issue. Number 5 Malachi Black Boom and Bust Right, I don't get this one, I'm just throwing it out there because I see you and I hear you, you deserve a voice. But tying into what we talked about earlier, some fans were so taken with Malachi Black's debut, they wanted the go button to be smashed. It was pretty damn amazing. So when he ended his feud with Cody Rhodes at somewhat of an impasse, a few people didn't get it. Black also doubled down on the spooky stuff, which others didn't think was particularly fitting of the AEW mold. And while I get that, you already know my thoughts. If any promotion wants to do the lights out spot 100 times in a single show, I'm going to support every single one. That is just my way. It also felt like we tipped around the House of Black concept a little too much, but hey, Brody King is now here, these two are a great team, and with rumors of more additions soon, I don't doubt that 2022 is going to be a hell of a year for Malachi. He's just that damn good. Number four, production failures. It is disappointing. Of course it is. But find me one company that hasn't had a production snafu and I will find you pure lies. It happens even though it sucks. We mentioned this here due to the now infamous barbed wire exploding death match, which ended with a whimper rather than a bang, but all involved are aware of this. Kenny Omega has been especially vocal about it, even more so as the core of the contest was so good before it all fell apart due to some sprinklers going off at the end. There's also been times we've seen backstage skits that were meant for the live crowd only, and sound has been a constant criticism for some, rightfully so. If you don't like something, you should make your thoughts known. The good side being that All Elite Wrestling does seem to be hearing you and trying to fix these gaffes. It won't be the last of these, however, because that's not how life works, but let's just hope as time marches on, they get less and less. Number three, the Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Another idea that fell foul to the pandemic, on paper, this looked awesome. Half the bracket was made up of American talent, the other half Japanese, and the finals would see the best of the best clash to find out who was the queen. And there was some good matches throughout this, but due to restrictions, the right side of the tournament was fought in closed off venues with production values that weren't up to the usual standard. Excalibur did a great job in filling in the blanks, but really this was the company 
company having ambitions that were just too high to make work when the world was no longer functioning. In many ways, though, this does tie into entry number four. It was done to try and address the balance that we didn't have enough women's wrestling on AEW TV. And I would always rather somebody tried and failed that didn't try at all. I mean, how else are you going to learn? Number two, blood and guts. Well, this one divided the audience, didn't it? And it's not like it didn't live up to the title because we did have a barrel of the red stuff. And I tell you, for a good chunk of time, this was top, top stuff. The inner circle and the pinnacle pummeled each other. If you missed some good old-fashioned wrestling, here it was right in your face. When all ten guys were officially in the match, though, and did the classic five-on-five standoff, there was an argument this was two sports entertainment. And, of course, a lot of folk were upset with Chris Jericho's big fall that apparently looked like somebody falling onto some cardboard. And I'm still going to stand by the fact that even if you do fall from that height onto some paper, it is terrifying. I don't want to be falling off nothing, especially when I'm almost 50 years old. Personally, I would say the real eyebrow-raising moment was that the good guys quit to try and stop MJF pushing La Champion off the top of the cage, but he did it anyway, because of course he did. Who is a bigger dick than Maxwell Jacob Freeman? Number one, the Britt Baker problem. Right, stop right away. Britt Baker is awesome. This has been clear ever since she cut that promo on Tony Schiavone on the boat, and as we said on ups and downs at the time, she was gonna fly, and boy did she. Britt is now the star of the women's division and one of the most valuable players AEW has, and she gets monster reactions each and every week. She rocks, no debate, that's the end. The reason she has entered into this conversation, however, ties into a lot of what we've already talked about, a little bit of the sports entertainment. As a bad guy, Baker has surrounded herself with minions who often get her out of trouble when it seems like she could lose her title, and some feel this is now past the point. It's too much and has become a little bit of a crutch. Now, given I bet Thunder Rosa defeats Brett for her gold and also takes out her friends, this all makes sense to me, but I do understand. If we take Baker's defense against Riho, nobody thought Riho was going to win due to all of the above. The sense that potentially she had a chance didn't actually exist. It also does make her rivals look a little bit silly if they head into a match without some support because you know exactly what's going to happen. Again though, do I believe that AEW doesn't have a plan to end all this? No, no I don't. And when Jamie Hayter is the first to leave, hopefully all the pieces fall together. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.